baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Shocking headline. Nearly three quarters of American adults are confident they'll be able to retire at 64. Are you? Am I confident I'll be able to? Every day I get done with this show, I think that's it. I'm done. You're done. You're retired. emotionally. That's at 49? Financially, I can't do it, but emotionally. Emotionally. Okay, got it. Well, this is not about emotions. This is about finances. And um, I have concerns about that. I've been saving, you know, Jeff Green's rules of finance. That's that's my dad. Uh, You know, max out your 401k from your first paycheck. I've been following Jeff Green's rules of finance, and I still have concerns. Certainly 65 years old, I don't even think people retired at 65 anymore. I thought they were definitely waiting till 70. So when we have financial questions, we go to the expert. And my expert is Susan Stiles of Stiles Financial, and she is in studio with us. So Susan, I'm so happy to have you in the studio. Hi, Jordana. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Was this headline as shocking to you as it was to us? Jordana, I don't want to burst your bubble, Uh but but Uh I will tell you that this headline is very misleading. How so? Well, the, the problem with it is that it was based on a survey that New York Life conducted on a very select group of individuals. So let's think where they're going to draw their people from. It's from their database, 2,200 individuals of their bat- database. These are individuals that are probably either clients or prospects. Mm-hmm. They probably have money. They're looking for advice. I would expect that the database from New York Life, that indeed 74% should be ready for retirement. But that does not represent our population here in the United States because I can read to you lots so that would of be like other- ask that would be like asking fans at a NASCAR race, hey, do you like NASCAR? <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah. that's skewed, right? Yeah. Very skewed. It's very misleading. Um, the only good thing about that article was the charts that it had in there about how to save $1.3 million, okay, and how much if you made exit dollars, how much you would have to save mm-hmm. starting at what age. So that chart I found to be very useful, okay. but it can also be um, a little overwhelming for some individuals. Jordana, you're doing it right. The key is to start young and just do a little bit at, at, at a time. You just have to do it, and you have to stay consistent, and you can't fall back. Let me read to you some other headlines. Okay, Gallup. Americans' outlook for the retirement has worsened. This is from fall of 2023. Here's another one. Under U.S. Facts, nearly half of American households have no retirement savings. This is the reality. That's More than scary. half of Americans say they don't have enough for retirement. This is another poll. 56% of Americans say they're not on track to comfortable retirement. So how do we catch up? That's the reality. And that's okay. more in line, I think, Adam. I don't know if you hear about this from your friends, but that's, I think, more in line with the American psyche. Yeah. It's more in line right. with our listeners. Completely. Yeah, yeah, that we're afraid we're never going to be able mm-hmm. to retire. We're going to have to keep working. And mm-hmm. even I hear millennials say, oh, I'll never have enough yeah. money or, you know, Gen Zers to retire. So and they're also, just going to keep working. And that mindset probably works against them because mm-hmm. they're then they're like, well, it's too late now to start saving. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. 
The, Can it, you say it that is, again? Can you it, say Adam? You hit the nail. On Adam, head. you hit the Thank nail you. on the head. You Dave, did. pull that sound, please. David, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's it's really it becomes emotional, and you got to get the emotion out because if you drive by your emotions, you make irrational decisions, and that's never going to be healthy. So is it a pipe dream to think that regular Americans, working class Americans, can retire at sixty five? It, it's it's not a pipe dream. It, it can be done. How? Well, everybody can retire. It's just what's the lifestyle, mm. right? So everybody can retire. It's just you have to be realistic about the lifestyle. And you have to look within and say, you know, some people want to lead a very sedentary life, which is not going to cost as much. Some people want to travel the world. Mm-hmm. So you have to be realistic with the resources that you have. And decide, you know, what makes sense for you. Mm-hmm. Now, we as Americans are living longer. And the reality of it is people are landing their plane later in life than they used to. So retirement age used to be around 60. It's now the average American is retiring around 66 today. But if you poll a millennial, they want to retire early. Oh. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Good luck. A- and we've got longevity, right? So people are living, you know, close to 80 years old. Yeah. Do you know that Minnesota has one of the highest longevity ages in the country? Mm-hmm. Minnesotans, we're healthy. It's good. But it also means more planning. So how do we do it? So if, if somebody is listening today, and, and give us maybe some examples of a young person or the, Adam and I are, you know, about, he's 49, I'm 51. Is that too late to start? No, no. You know, we go through life stages, and through those life stages, you have different priorities, right? So you're in your 20s, you're, you know, hopefully establishing yourself, finding the career, finding what you want to do. By the time you're 40, you want to make sure that you've got the career you want to be in. But it may take you down some detours during your 20s and your 30s, but you really want 40 to be that goal. In your 30s, a lot of millennials now, that's when they're getting married, and that's when they're starting to have families, And so you've got different priorities, saving for, you know, buying that house. Now you've got children. There's extra expenses associated with that. While all of that's going on, retirement is kind of like on the back burner. But if you work for an organization, you work for a company that has a retirement plan, absolutely unequivocally, you have to participate. And you have to participate at least up to the match. If the company is giving you a match, you, you cannot leave free money on nope. the table. Who leaves 100 bucks on the table? Not me. Not me. Mm-mm. So the match, some only match 3 or 4%, but right. it's worth it. Right. It's wor- absolutely yeah, it's worth free it. Money. Because okay. of compounded interest. Yeah. Okay. And the more time you have, the better off you'll be in mm-hmm. saving that money. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Susan Stiles from Stiles Financial. You mentioned that millennials say they want uh-huh. to retire earlier. Are their habits reflecting that? Or is that just, are they saying it, or are they, as opposed to the generations that came before them, are they planning more so than like Gen X did? I don't think they're necessarily planning, but you know, millennials are notorious for really wanting life balance, which baby boomers are not. Baby boomers are complete workaholics. You know, the Gen Xers is a much smaller, uh, you know, population Mm -hmm. group in our country, Um and, you know, 
they've they've been challenged a little bit with baby boomers not leaving their jobs, not making room for them to um, to move up mm-hmm. in their careers. Um, but you know, the key is no matter what stage you are in life, is to just you got to start, and then you have to leave it alone. You know how many people touch their retirement savings? Do they really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's a real problem. That see that does surprise me because I guess I was taught you you forget about right. it like it doesn't exist like it's that's right, not your Jordana. money. You were taught right. See but, Jeff Green, I hope you're listening. Good job, yeah, Jeff Green. My you dad were taught right. Yeah, but people get into trouble then, right? I mean, yeah, that, they do. That's why that's when they. But no, that that's the reason they dip into it, right? Because right. they they get into it's a called situation. Leakage. Yeah, yeah, they lose their job or yep. there's a health yep. problem and they need cash. Or you change jobs, yeah. you you leave that account over there and then. At, at your former employer, and then suddenly you take a distribution, and you pay a ton of taxes. Yep. I mean, that that's serious leakage. Yeah. So I've also read, and I think it was part of this piece, because uh-huh. I have now a 20-year-old daughter, that I was looking at an investing article, right, right. and it said that if you invest $100 a month yep. at age 20, okay. then by 65, you will have... A million dollars, not in the bank, because we're talking about investing it, not putting right, it in a savings right. account. Um, what do you think about that advice? Because well, that seems doable for some 20-year-olds. Right. I, I think, you know, maybe, probably, you know, the key is what you're investing in. And you mentioned savings account. Up until recently, savings accounts didn't pay you anything. No. Mm-hmm. And who long? who knows how long that's going to last. But, you know, the long-term power of growth is investing in the equity markets. But that has risks associated with it. And I can tell you, millennials do not like risk. Hmm. Really? Yeah. You know why? Why? Because they grew up during the Great Recession when they saw their parents lose a bunch of money and lose their jobs. So what we have to do is counter that mentality amongst our millennials, clients, and say, no, you need to take some risk. You, you need to go into the equity markets, mm-hmm. a diversified, balanced portfolio. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting the influence that the different generations have just based on their experiences in life and what they see. Yeah, I could see that. Do you mm-hmm. see a lot of, like, what is the average age of clients who come into your office, like new clients? Well, um, you know, we do end up with most of our clients are probably north of 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... Um, we, we are attracting a lot of millennials, and oftentimes it's the kids of our clients. Mm-hmm. And so we will always, we don't impose any minimums. When I help teenagers, 20-year-olds, I will sit down with anybody because I really want to teach and show them, you know, good habits. It's really about habits, it right? Is. It is. Yeah. Um, what are you surprised sometimes by the level of competency or incompetency f- financial wise uh, by your clients I mean because how are how do they know if people that don't know anything about investing or didn't have money before how 
uh, smarter people about investing? Or is it just this big, scary thing thinking I can't give up 10% of my paycheck? You know, it's not an issue of whether I'm surprised or not. I, I just think that pe- different people have different areas of interest and different types of abilities. Not to financial, some people just can't touch it. They can't deal with it. And it's scary. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what we're there for. So they just leave to it to a planner to, well, to manage it. they do. Mm-hmm. But I really try to educate. I mm-hmm. really want people to understand the basics, and they'll never have, you know, a real sophisticated knowledge of investing, but everybody can capture some of the basics and take away some tools. So part of what we, everything we do at our office is around education. We want to teach. And um, some of the terminology in our industry is overwhelming Mm -hmm. and it's scary. Agreed. And so we break it down to some basic terms and then people become more comfortable, and then they're okay, and uh, they understand what the plan is and what the path is. Yeah. One more question before I let you go. Okay. Uh, when <laughs> I uh, was young and my dad was yeah. helping me with this, I always got the advice, invest in what you know. He right. was a pharma guy, so he invested mm-hmm. in pharmaceutical stocks, which is a, a good bet. Sure. Um, but I had another friend who was like, well, I shop at Target, so I'm going to invest in Target. Or right. I, uh, Nike, invest in brands you know. Is that still the advice or has the market become more sophisticated? No, sure. I mean, I, I don't have an issue with that at all. I mean, invest, invest in what you know and what you like. But don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. I mean, the concept of diversification is, you know, making sure that you have a representation of different companies, of different industries, even size of companies, large, medium, small, um, even whether it's domestic or international. Mm-hmm. So and having bonds or stocks of the same company is another way of diversifying as well. We always will listen to our clients. Our, our clients, you know, have their lives and their jobs, and they're going to come across a lot of interesting things. And, you know, if they come to us and say, hey, I'm interested in this company, we'll do the research, we'll give them the feedback, and, you know, maybe we'll even add it to their portfolio if it makes sense. So I, I like, I, I think that's a good way to start. In fact, that's what I do with young people. What I tell them, young people that are just starting out, late teens, early 20s, I talk about, you know, our economy and all the different sectors. And then I say, I want you now for the next couple of weeks, live your life. And I want you to look at the tools you're using, your phone, look at the stores you're going to, look at the brands you're purchasing, and look at the companies behind that. And then I want you to come to me and bring me 20 different companies that represent these different sectors in our economy from your lens. And it's it's a fun exercise. See, I told you guys she was smart, and now she just <laughs> proved it all to you. So you can listen to my commercials all day long, but she is the real <laughs> deal. Uh, Susan Stiles from Stiles Financial. Oh. Really, thank you for this free advice. And oh, thanks yeah. for coming in and explaining this to us. Because when we see these headlines, we're like, how can this be real? Right. Yeah, right. And yeah. Susan came and said, it's not. So thank you for the education. Well, thanks thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. (laughs) Take care. 1050, back after this on CCO. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.